Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Today's guests, Stephanie Swepson Twitty, Kevin Doyle Jones, and Stephen Lawrence, are creating a fund to help repair the problems created by over 400 years of exploitation of BIPOC people. Beginning in Asheville, North Carolina, the team will create funds derived from tourism to benefit communities harmed by it. Stephanie, Stephen, Kevin, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this conversation today. It's just such an innovative idea that uh, you have developed uh, and are implementing and are implementing. That's what's so exciting to me. So, uh, Stephanie, I wonder if you would introduce this for us. Tell us about this repair tax that you've structured and and how it's working. Give us a quick orientation. Sure. Devin, thank you so much for having me and my colleagues uh, this afternoon. We are excited to talk about this topic and about the innovative uh, approaches that this group is taking to uh, looking at a just economy. Um, In summation, the repair fund sprang out of discussions that Kevin and Stephen and others of us were having around the reparations uh, challenge that is being faced nationally. More specifically in Buncombe, Asheville, Buncombe County is the notion of reparations and what that should or should not look like. In our conversation, it came to me that the root word of reparations is repair. Um, and so with that, Kevin and Stephen and those of us that were having the discussion begin to think about how do you repair harm done? So, which is really at the root again of what I think ultimately we will want to see as a byproduct of reparations. There, there's not a chance in this world or any other to come that you could write a check to cover 400 years of disassociating a people from an economy or from community in an equitable, inclusive way. What you could start to do is you could look at repair on uh, both small and uh, medium levels, beginning with communities that were harmed by tourism and development that became the uh, linchpin, if you will, for Asheville Buncombe County. I mean, we, we're a destination hub par none, if you will. Internationally, folk come to Asheville for, for the experience of the Biltmore House and other uh, attractions here in town. So one of the ways that we, again, uh, thought about this repair fund is that, that those um, tourists and uh, uh, industry could self-select to have folks pay into the repair fund that would then go back into these uh, communities that have been harmed by virtue of many things, but tourism being a a, um, magnanimous, if you will, driver of of harm. Yeah, it's brilliant idea, brilliant idea. Kevin, you are one of the most respected names, faces uh, in all of the impact arena in this country. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your motivation for joining Stephanie's effort. 
Yeah. Well, you know, um, in my first iteration into impact investing, <clears throat> we did one of the first, uh, that are, they weren't called impact funds at the time, the word was social venture. And we did one in 2008, uh, you know, which was the year of the great downturn. And, you know, we succeeded three out of four times um, and, and had uh, top gears rating and all that stuff, which is the, the rating of impact. We invested in literacy and fair trade. And we had mission insurance in that. So, you know, we, we were motivated to stop the replication of the tragedy of the sale of Ben and Jerry's when, you know, as good as Unilever is, the company got worse when Ben Cohen left the room. So we wanted mission insurance deals that would have, uh, the mission would be baked into the business model uh, when the visionary founder left the room. And so we did Better World Books where you know they got their books from libraries cleaning out their shelves and so they got a, a reduction of the cost of goods through the mission of taking those books and then giving that money back to libraries uh, you know queen's library gets two hundred thousand a year from books that would have gone to the trash but we also instituted a little thing there that was really significant uh, in that uh, every library, uh, and some of these are in posh neighborhoods, you know, think of Manhattan Library. Uh, they send us more books, but it's a mess, uh, you know, with big lines out front and fancy neighborhoods. But each, each library had to work with a local literacy group. So they needed to bring immigrants inside and make those relationships. And that was good, but it was still, I realized I was investing in college kids, some from France, some from the U.S., going out in the world doing good. And, and when we concluded, uh, we were the first to successfully invest in fair trade with Alter Eco, which is a great company, chocolate and quinoa, it's carbon negative through insets so that the groundwater is improved from commercial farming and their uh, compostable packaging and obviously fair trade and organic. Uh, the co-ops only got a little bit of the money. Uh, you know, fair trade only gives a little bit more than market rate. That's well, the folks, the folks actually out doing the work are making too little. So I stopped doing venture capital at that point because it's, you know, we made money, our investors made money, and the people we were trying to help were helped a little bit. And so I stopped working where venture capital worked, and I started working on places where venture capital doesn't go. And so that brought me into black and brown neighborhoods in the U.S. And then we realized the big problem was why you didn't see more um, African-Americans as scholarship entrepreneurs at SOCAP, the big conference that we had, was that there was no friends and family capital that could give them the money to launch and, and grow and, and, and fail and succeed. That, that folks like me, when, you know, when I reach out for friends and family, I get money. So I've been working on the friends and family problem since 2016. And, when Stephanie and I got together, she said, let's, let's solve that problem. And so I said, well, great, I've done it. And, and it hadn't worked. So, I, I, and the, so the other thing for me is that, you know, as an old straight white guy, you know, who's been taught to lead, I've learned to follow. And that's probably uh, the thing that's most, you know, nobody comes up to a young white boy and says, you know, I see a real follower in you, son, you know. <laughs> We're, we're culturated to, to be the leaders and walk in the room and assume that we're in charge. And so that's, that's been the big leading and learning for me is learning to follow. So, you know, then Stephanie's a great, you know, she has 27 years of history doing remarkable things. And it turns out she was focusing on the same problem that I was, I'd 
I've tried and not quite succeeded with our runway project that self-help funded. Well, that's that's great, uh, and I appreciate where you're coming from, Stephen. I wonder if you would talk a minute as the fund manager a little bit about how the funds uh, are being used, will be used, uh, and how they'll impact the community. Thank you so much, uh, Devin. I appreciate the question. Um, before I get to that piece of it, uh, I wanted to add, you know, with 20 years in banking and CDFI uh, experience. Um, when I was in, in the CDFI world, uh, that's generally where your small businesses would, would go to if banks were not able to help them for whatever reason. And that's where I had met um, uh, Stephanie. And as I continued over the years, uh, several years working sort of indirectly with her, we, we realized um, that our thought process was a lot, a lot the same in regards to what's broken and, and what what can we do to make things different or better. Um, and we looked at some of that change a lot, but we also seen in the CDFI world that it was slowly progressing to the same trends that we saw in banking, which was not even being able to get anything done. Um, and that's obviously not the reason we were doing what we were doing. We were there to, to help small businesses um, or individuals uh, get to that that next level. So, uh, it, saying all that to say, in regards to this particular fund, um, there's there's a multitude of, of things that that I'll let Stephanie get into the weeds um, in regards to to how the monies are going to be used um, in regards to another particular program that we're operating uh, at the moment. Okay. Well. Um... Stephanie, I wonder if you'd help us think through an issue that is interesting to me about this. When we talk about reparations uh, for African-Americans, it, it's a difficult topic. Uh, there certainly isn't universal agreement. And, and I confess, I, I came slowly to this, but now it seems to me obvious that reparations are due, not only for uh, slavery, but Jim Crow and the war on drugs. I mean, it, our, our present institutional racism needs to be addressed. But that, is, that view isn't universally held. Um, so I think your idea here of a voluntary repair tax is really innovative. Can you talk a little bit about how many people are volunteering to pay the tax and how it's working and what the reaction is on the street. Stephanie, just kind of give us a sense of how that's being viewed. Well, thank you, Devin. And we're kind of at the inception of this. So um, it hasn't um, hit the street, so to speak. Uh, we have some genuine interest from the Convention and Visitors Bureau, uh, Explore Asheville, uh, to help us promote and market such a fund. Um, we have some interest from the city of Asheville's equitable inclusive office to help us get into the neighborhood associations that uh, will be the end user of such a fund. Uh, so, you know, uh, again, uh, to use an awful pun or adage, Rome was not built in a day. 
and and neither will the harm that has um, existed, as I said before, for for nearly 400 years now, be um, overcome uh, with a single uh, repair fund or uh, a single reparation uh, notion as um, uh, Kevin will call the gentleman's name. I keep forgetting his name, uh, Kevin, that talked to you about he had the only way for reparations to work. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But, but all that being said, uh, Devin, I think that two things are happening here. One, we have a real opportunity for success with the, with the repair fund because we already stood up the community equity fund. And the community right. equity fund is really a first fruit or, or a bite at what reparations might look like. We just couldn't call it that because of such publicity and, and uh, embroiled thinking uh, among the municipality around reparations. They, you know, it, we were careful to not be out there trying to lead a charge that wasn't necessarily ours to lead. But if we think about it, that we're offering um, small BIPOC businesses who've been in operation for three to five years, who are trending in annual revenues uh, at 100,000 or uh, not less than 50, and who have the capacity to scale themselves by job becoming job creators or gaining a greater share of the market so they can be job creators. We've already started down the road of thinking about what repair might look like. Your mind is needed. Yeah, I appreciate that reminder. <laughs> Kevin, the, uh, are you familiar with the <clears throat> reparations uh, tax uh, being uh, used in Evanston, Illinois? And if so, uh, how would you see that effort comparing to the effort you're undertaking here? I can respond if you don't want to, Steph. <clears throat> I've no, read about it. He's asking you, dear. Oh, he, he, you're asking me. Okay, good. Well, then I didn't. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I've read about it, and um, the uh, sorry, I had to turn off my phone. Um, you know, it's a municipal effort, right? And so you have to go through the politics of that, and so there's lots of compromises around it. One of the things that we've seen here, <clears throat> you know, there is, Asheville is one of those places that say they want to do reparations. Well, that's going to take three years of study and engaging with the community. And what we're finding is that the tourism folks who once, we're going to shine a light on a community that was displaced to create the Biltmore, right? So that's one of the reasons why this works so well in tourism places. Because everybody, you know, the most progressive, left-leaning, whatever, you have to bring your uncles and cousins to see the Biltmore because there's really no house like it. It's the most uh, extravagant industrial scale house in the country. <clears throat> and so, but you, you know, you feel a little guilty because you know that it's been bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars from a Shiloh community that was moved intact to make way for it has gotten nothing. And so we can help those folks feel better. You know, so we're, we are a way for progressives and liberals and people who want to take action on racial justice to feel better and take real action. And then the other thing about it that Stephanie pointed out is that it's community-directed capital. 
right? And so it means that you yield power to the powerless and you take real action on racial reconciliation. And then we work with the folks in the community uh, associations that are actually well-governed and, and have charters and things uh, to work with, uh, you know, what do you see as the problem? And actually the big problem in Shiloh, which is the community that is the easy picture of the Biltmore and the Shiloh, there's two other communities, is that there's a bunch of rapacious uh, housing developers trying to come in and get uh, people, give people bigger checks than they've ever seen to flip their houses and sell it for three times as much to, you know, a, a European American, as Stephanie calls it, a white person, and break up the community. So, like, that's the problem is that rapacious developers are coming after them. And so we can help them with this fund. And land bank is an option that is happening elsewhere. One of the things about this fund is that it's popping up other places around the country because it's a real simple thing to do. Uh, in Indianapolis, we're working with a partner who uh, is working on a land bank around this issue. And Indianapolis is a big convention city. And so to get spouses, either men or women, to come, they have a big cultural trail that they've, they've created experiences so that the whole family will come, right? Well, that trail goes over formerly Black Wall Street of Indiana Avenue, and those folks got nothing. And so it's a real, when there's a pairing of, you know, the, they say the cultural trail has brought in billions, and to create the cultural trail and, you know, a university health center as well, they moved black folks and the black folks got nothing. You know, that pairing is a really easy one uh, that makes sense to folks. And, uh, you know, it, it, we think it can enhance the tourism experience of folks who want to be conscious about remembering what happened and then realizing you should repair. There are some folks who want to fight the idea of remembering what happened and they, they have made this critical race theory a real weird straw man, uh, but, you know, critical race theory just means that you acknowledge how the system was, was built, you know. Uh, they move the poor black folks, put in the trail, <clears throat> and they make hundreds of millions, and the folks they move get nothing. Yeah, you, know, you got to fix that, and you can do it locally, and, and the people are still there. So that's, that's, that's why we, and it's also being uh, uh, put up in, in Chicago by another partner. Yeah, that's great. Now, Stephen, I want to ask you to help us dig a little deeper into the community issues. Uh, th this money will go to, to people. Uh, I wonder if you can help us see the practical side of, of the, the sorts of ways the money will be used, how it will benefit businesses. Can you give us a sense? Absolutely. So in, in regards to like the community equity fund that we've we've been successful with. Uh, coming from banking and CDFI uh, industry, um, and slowly over time, as Stephanie mentioned, you know, Rome was built in a day, but over time we've seen the, the folks that, that are more than deserving, um, particularly in the BIPOC community, um, just not get the access to capital or the, the things that they need to be able to to succeed in life as, as others may find easier avenues. Um, they have to work um, twice as hard or three times as hard to maybe get the same result um, if they're lucky. So 
what we've tried to do with the Community Equity Fund is really identify those that are looking to scale. Um, and that's the, the biggest obstacle that they're wanting to get to that next level. And, and with that comes the ability to create jobs or um, grow market share, which ultimately also leads to job creation at some point, um, but also be able to potentially take on more business, um, uh, apply for certain contracts that they wouldn't have been able to had they not had the, the opportunity uh, with equipment or whatever the case may be. So in regards to kind of comparing it to the community equity fund that we have in place, we look to do a lot of the same kinds of things that Kevin has, has talked quite a bit about with this particular repair tax. Um, we have to go into, into this um, with the mindset of repair and what that looks like over that 400 years. You know, Stephanie said earlier, the right thing to do is not to just say, here's a check. Um, I hope this fixes the last 400 years. That's not, that's not what we're about. And that's not what we're trying to do when we talk about repair. Um, so when we think about how the fund uh, through this repair tax could ultimately benefit our local communities, um, like we're, we're looking to, to start and then even nationally, like Kevin has mentioned, you know, is address those those things that have been displaced because of the tourism industry. You know, Kevin mentioned earlier that, you know, Shiloh was displaced. They received nothing um, in the creation of the Biltmore, um, which is a multi, multi-million dollar industry year over year. And it's a place that people all over the world come, come to see. Um, but there shouldn't be winners and losers um, in that regard. Uh, it should be a, a fair, equitable um, uh, position in regards to um, this particular demographic should not have to um, see the pain and, and, and not be able to reap in, in some of the rewards of what what they went through because of what the, what was created, if that makes sense. So finding that balance of really, whether it be, you know, housing, whether it be, gosh, clean water, whether it be, you name it. Right. Um, so there's a lot of different things that this particular fund could address, um, but it, it's going to be really dependent, I think, on the, the particular local community and, and okay. what those displacements may have been. Okay. Well, one thing we should add in, Devin, is that, you know, we, we're already in the Buncombe County's uh, budget on a recurring basis with our equity fund, because, you know, we were able to tell them, look, we're 90 plus percent of black owned businesses are sole proprietors. We're at 93% here. Charlotte's at 95%. And so we said, you know, look, judge us on how many jobs are created by these sole proprietors. And what's the increase in income and what's the increase in revenue? And the county commissioner said, well, we can measure that. That's what we want to keep up with. He says, well, good. And so it's already a, a job creator. So it, uh, they, they're glad to call it an act of justice, but they, it also helps count. So, you know, we, we're able to, to pitch this as a job creator and governments like to measure job creation. Yeah. And we like to, to be part of, they can actually say that they're, 
their 750,000 actually is creating jobs, which is not typically what they do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, Stephanie, what is your superpower? feel confidently that my superpower is my ability to um, network and network in uh, a way that is both uh, for good and impactful. Um, Kevin and I go back well beyond the Community Equity Fund to, to a time when we had a colleague, uh, Jane Hatley, who was in this work. And Kevin and I and Jane took lunch together and um, we went off in our different worlds and did whatever our daily, uh, excuse me, task was. <coughs> but inevitably our circles continued to um, coalesce to the point that we were working together to solve this particular problem, excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry, uh, Stephanie. Yes, I'm back. Okay, good. I guess some water. Um, too much coffee today. Throat was was really dry. But yeah, mm. I I feel very strongly that um, whenever I am in a room, um, Devin, um, my, my natural instinct is to how to put the um, for lack of a sexier way to say this, the chairs on the deck, you know, how do I bring a community foundation and uh, community individuals together uh, with a um, community development corporation and with a CDFI and, you know, how do we get all these players at the table uh, looking through uh, um, at best a similar lens for how to improve community? So, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Kevin, what is your superpower? <clears throat> well, you know, I, I come up with a lot of ideas and some of them are good and some of them are not. Um, but, you know, I think I've worked, uh, you know, most of my 47 years with my wife uh, as a business partner. And she uh, we've done nine businesses and the eight I did with her succeeded. Uh, so I, yeah, I think over time I've learned to follow uh, strong, smart women who put things together well. And so, you know, that, that would probably be it. Excellent. Stephen, your superpower. You know, I th that's a great question. My, I think my former um, experience helped develop my superpower, you know, working through banking um, and helping people for so many years and all of a sudden having to tell them everything I've done for you for the past 10 years I can't do for you anymore because of regulations or whatever. And then working in the CDFI world, the same sort of thing has led me to have a, I feel like a superpower of, I don't give up on the folks that I'm working with. Mm. And I take on challenges to be able to, to get them the help that they need. And it's not always about money. Um, it's about resources or connections or like Stephanie's, you know, superpower of networking. Um, there's a lot of different things that are simple things um, that can satisfy uh, people's needs at the moment. And, and just being able to recognize what those needs are and working with them to get them what they need at that time. That's what I would say my superpower is. 
Fantastic. As we wrap up, I'm so grateful for this incredible discussion today. Stephanie, I wonder if you would take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about the voluntary repair tax, how they can connect with you, uh, your organization, perhaps your social media handles, et cetera, et cetera. Well, thank you for the awesome opportunity um, to find out more about us. Um, we have a website, eaglemarketsts.org. Um, it's a wonderful place to um, see all of the program work that Eagle Market Streets does uh, to include the Community Equity Fund. Again, the repair fund has not been uh, completely uh, implemented yet. But certainly, if anyone has a question or wants to talk to us, uh, Stephen, if you'll drop our email um, addresses in the chat, uh, Devin will have those to, to pass along to his audience, uh, as well as Kevin's. Um, and finally, I would say that whenever you're thinking about doing good, think about that, that it also includes doing well. So individuals who want to, to do good should want to do good so that others can do well. And um, that would be my um, kind of parting uh, comment there for um, the listeners to, to think about is, is both doing good and well. You know, that's a, a profound take on, on what has become almost a trite saying in <laughs> impact circles, right? That we want to do well by doing good. But what we are often talking about is making sure we do well ourselves while we do good for others. And uh, I like the way you flipped the script. The, the, the point of doing well is to make sure that the, the people we serve are doing well. Uh, they're just as important as we are. I love that. I love that take. Thank you very much. I, I want to thank all of you for being here today. I want to thank you for uh, the work you're doing and, and wish you well on the voluntary repair, repair tax implementation. I'd love to see that as a nationwide implementation for our BIPOC thank friends. You, um, you know, uh, thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Uh, let's do some good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much. And Devin, you know, I just always appreciate how... Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.